Welcome back to Cunningham's Law Review, where our goal is to listen to the top artists and songs of the last 100 years, starting in 1920 and working our way forward. Four days a week, we review what we hear and share the history of popular music with you as we do. I'm Richie, and you're listening to Side A of a new kind of Cunningham's episode that we call Cover to Cover. Covers, where a new artist re-records an old song, are a special tribute that artists can make to their past by bringing it into the present and sharing it with a new audience. Today, we'll be listening to covers of Gershwin and DeBose's Summertime, starting with Billie Holiday and ending with Lana Del Rey, and I Ain't Got Nobody, a song Marion Harris made famous and David Lee Roth made his own. So like I said, today we're going to be doing something a little different from our regular listening series. It's Friday today, and on Fridays we take a step back from our chronological journey to recenter ourselves and take a break. In today's episode, which is the first in a special series we call Cover to Cover, we'll be listening to what happens when songs stick around for so long that they start to influence another generation to pick them back up and make them new again. Covers can be incredibly special, but it's rare. The worst covers are self-indulgent, don't do anything additional with the material, and even do a worse job than the previous artist. In average covers, you'll end up with a karaoke-like version that just has someone doing a new job singing an old song, maybe even in a new style. But in the very best covers, you'll see where an artist found something in the song that made it special for them, and they'll share that aspect with you in their performance. When you hear that kind of cover, it changes the original song for you, and you can understand new parts of it through someone else's eyes. Today's first song is called Summertime, and we'll be hearing it courtesy of five artists from 1936's Billie Holiday version all the way to Lana Del Rey's 2019 cover. It's reported that this song has been recorded 25,000 times, making it the most covered song in history, and that makes it a fine place to kick off this series at Cunningham's. The music for Summertime was originally written by George Gershwin for his opera version of DeBose Hayward's Porgy and Bess. DeBose is credited with the lyrics for the song, but also wrote the source material for Gershwin's opera through his 1925 book and 1927 play, Porgy, that Gershwin adapted. In the initial version that we'll be listening to by Billie Holiday, you'll hear the first time this song was a major recorded hit after its 1935 opera debut with Abby Mitchell. Billie Holiday is an absolute legend, with pop, blues, and jazz masterpieces to her credit, and this is an excellent version from which her soul simply pours out. Then, moving on to 1958, when in preparation for the Porgy and Bess movie that was released in 59, many of the best artists of the 50s modern jazz era brought their talents to cover Porgy and Bess songs. One of the best versions comes from Ella Fitzgerald and Louis Armstrong, who duet this cover. Herbie Mann's 1961 version from his album Live at the Village Gate doesn't feature lyrics, instead letting his prodigious flute take you on a new worldly interpretation of summertime. Sublime's Doin' Time abandons most of the original lyrics, but salvages man's vibraphone and flute in samples. By adding a heavy bass kick and bringing the first stanza back in the chorus, Sublime builds on man's world music interpretation and brings summertime deeply into the era of hip-hop and 90s R&B. Then, stripping out all of that and bringing the Sublime cover into 2019's era of digital post-processing and ghost-like reverb, Lana Del Rey offers her treatment of the song. Back in 1916, our old friend Marion Harris from episode 1920-1 made her first big entrance into recorded music with a blues song called I Ain't Got Nobody. This song would set the stage for I Ain't Got Nobody as a jazz standard that would go on to be covered throughout the 20th century. 
1931, 15 years after Harris's version, Louis Armstrong, who would have spent the 20s building up his renown, would cover Harris's version, but bring his signature gravelly voice to sing and scat while letting his jazz trumpet raise the song to a new standard of excellence. But in 1956, when Louis Prima combined I Ain't Got Nobody with a completely separate song, Just a Gigolo, they would never be thought of as separate from one another again. Prima seamlessly wove the two songs together in his album The Wildest so well that most people listening to the first two songs on the playlist will probably be waiting for the gigolo chorus to come in. And 30 years after that, David Lee Roth tried to leverage all of his post-Van Halen talents to convince us that despite the millions in fame, you can't buy happiness and that he too was lonely in selling romance. So let's stop talking about the music and start listening to it. To give a palate cleanse between each version, the songs will alternate throughout the playlist. And speaking of the playlist, if you're not already listening to this part of the podcast through the Spotify playlist, it's highly recommended that you look up the show on Spotify by searching for Cunningham's Law Review. On our Spotify page, you'll find a playlist that features this, the side A of the podcast, each of the songs that we'll be listening to for today, and side B of the podcast where we recap the songs we've heard and review each of them on their own. Today's playlist is posted on Spotify under the title Cunningham's Law Review Cover to Cover 1. You can also find the link to the playlist on the Cunningham's Law Review subreddit at reddit.com slash r slash Cunningham's Law Review. We want to know what you think about our reviews and the music we're hearing, so make sure to join us on the subreddit or leave us an anchor voicemail. That's all for Side A of Cover to Cover 1. We'll see you for the reviews after the songs on Side B. Welcome back to Cunningham's Law Reviews, cover to cover one. You're now listening to the B-side of this podcast, where we review each of the songs in today's music and talk more about the impact that these songs had. If you'd like to join the conversation, the Cunningham's Law subreddit will have a dedicated post for this episode at reddit.com slash r slash Cunningham's Law Review. We'd also love to hear from you through an anchor voicemail. I'm Richie, your host, and I hope you enjoyed the music, or at least earned something new. Like I said on side A, I love covers. To me, they're a special form of tribute that today's artists can make to their past, while at the same time showing you their inspirations and what they think of as important. These songs have been impacting music, in the case of I Ain't Got Nobody, for over a hundred years, and yet it's likely you've heard them at least once in your lifetime no matter how old you are. That kind of staying power wouldn't be likely without the cover versions breathing new life into the old songs. And if anyone is listening, it's been a while since there was a good new cover of I Ain't Got Nobody slash Just a Gigolo. So I would love to hear that one come back to life in 2020. How about a slowed down, spaced out version from Chishaki Miyaki? But let's not be ungrateful. We have plenty of music at home to review before we ask mom to take us to McDonald's for new stuff. First, Billie Holiday. Quick side note, we'll be talking more about each of these artists in our normal style during the regular series, but for now we'll be focusing more or less on the songs themselves and how the artists performed them, rather than focusing on their biographies. Billie Holiday's version is an absolute throwback to when blues and jazz was well along its development and features a slow jump in the beat with a playful clarinet and dueling trumpet. Her soul drips from the words like she's singing to her own child, but in a catchier way than the operatic performance would easily allow for, and she receives a four for authenticity and catchiness. Holiday's interpretation of the lullaby focuses on the last verse, which lets the child know that everything is going to be okay and so it makes more sense as to why this lullaby would be brighter and she receives a 4 for innovation. 
Holiday effortlessly imparts longing into the words and brings the blues into this version and receives a 4 for mastery as well, for a total score of 20 out of 25 points. Louis Armstrong and Ella Fitzgerald take a masterful arrangement of the tune, focusing on its subject matter of the summer night and the style of a lullaby. The song breathes like a hazy summer evening, and every instrument and voice supports that breath throughout. Even the bright trumpet cuts through the night, but doesn't over-articulate itself in making its presence known, and the orchestration is beautiful and supports all the themes filled with emotional weight. It's an easy five for mastery, innovation, and artistic statement. Ella Fitzgerald in particular is effortlessly able to match the dynamics of the song without seeming stressed, and her voice spills like cream over the lyrics. As this is a more faithful version to the lullaby theme, this version is less catchy than the Billie Holiday one and receives a 3 there, but it also completely is authentic and earns a 5 there for a total score of 23. At 22 points, Herbie Mann's version is a blast to listen to and earns a 4 for catchiness. Mann brings the world's music together with this American song through introducing conga drums and the vibraphone, which is like a xylophone with piano pedals, and then on top of that, bringing in his jazz flute to fill in for the vocals, and Innovation is a no-brainer 5, which matches the mastery score, especially when you consider that this whole recording was live. Mann's artistic statement that there are other voices for this song that can bring it new life earns a 4, as does authenticity to round out the score. Okay, get ready, because I'm about to rate a Sublime song as the highest rated song of the show so far, with 24 out of 25. I've tried to go over the score a few times, and I feel that this is what it deserves, but if you disagree with me, you know where the subreddit is. Starting with authenticity, Sublime brings completely new lyrics to the song that are heartbreaking and almost take the promises of the original lullaby as broken. There's no question that Bradley Noel, the lead singer, had a very rough love life and that most of his songs focus on women who cheat on him and make him feel worthless. The song receives an absolute five for authenticity. From an innovation standpoint, the fluidity with which Sublime combines the man samples into their own completely new instrumentation of drum, bass kicks, and hip-hop style completely transform the song into something new and something beautiful and again earn a five in innovation. You get a gold star if you caught the Beastie Boys sample, but if you caught the Malcolm McLaren sample, you should be an FBI agent or co-host of the show, probably. By twisting the title of the song from summertime to doing time and laying out how nothing is going right in singer Bradley Knoll's life, this song is rebuilt from the ground up into something totally new about 60 years after the original. In fact, this song was originally recorded with the opening lyrics sung as doing time instead of summertime. To get the licensing rights for Summertime as a song, they had to maintain the Summertime lyric and re-record. However, in the intervening time, tragically Bradley Knoll overdosed on heroin, and so a friend of the band actually re-recorded just that one part of the song in the opening and chorus. Catchiness is again a five, as this song is one of those that you'll find yourself singing over and over and that makes you want to play it on loop. The only place that Sublime doesn't earn the highest marks for their summertime cover is in Mastery, because Noel's voice is simply not strong, and his guitar playing is very simple and lacks professionalism. With that being said, Noel's voice is perfect in this song for this song. And while it's not perfect for everyone, it's perfect in this song. It's heartbreaking, it's touching, and it helps the song earn, with that realism, an artistic statement score of 5. Moving on to other musical opinions that are going to get me hate mail, Lana Del Rey's version is like if the Sublime song died and then went to Purgatory where Herbie Mann is just elevator music. It's like hearing ghosts sing to a harp down a hallway 
and since that's a strange thing to do with an ethereal soundscape, the song at least earns a four for artistic statement and innovation. The song expands on the broken promises concept, but for authenticity, Lana Del Rey is essentially just doing an updated rendition of the Sublime song, not even changing the names or references, and earns a three there. She makes this up by earning a four in catchiness, which for a slower version that floats is impressive and surely helped by the excellent percussion both in terms of bassline and drum backing. For mastery, one mistake that Lana Del Rey made in this version was to take the reverb and compression off of the ululating sample, and it's repeated so often that it gets in the way of the rest of the song. That should have been cut to maintain the feel of the rest of the song, as here it sounds like Xena Warrior Princess. But as it is, the song gets a 4 for mastery for a total score of 19. While Del Rey's version is widely critically acclaimed, and even praised by the surviving band members of Sublime, to me, it sounds as if Lana Del Rey put the Sublime version into a Lana Del Rey-ifying machine and went with the version that came out. She doesn't add much to the history of the song other than making it her own, and while her own is something unique enough to be recognizable, I'll leave it up to you how important that is. Changing tracks, we begin by taking a quick look at Marion Harris's version of I Ain't Got Nobody, which receives a 14. While Harris's voice is stronger than usual, she still doesn't do an authentic job of singing the blues and affects speech to earn a two in authenticity. She sings like she's at a high school talent show and receives a three for mastery, since she might have won if no one more talented had showed up. The music is fairly plain and receives a three to match. It's a strange choice for them to slow down and then speed up before the chorus since it messes with the chorus hitting and negatively impacts catchiness to earn a three. Likewise, the galloping piano drives when it doesn't need to to drive the song, and for mastery, the song earns a three. However, Louis Armstrong takes the song like a loving parent and brings out the best in the original version. Armstrong's band is able to play the song in a completely jazzy and bluesy way, bringing it to life with a New Orleans sound of overlapping solos. You almost don't expect the vocals since they begin so late in the song, but when they do come, they're welcome. The song receives fours across the board with a three in artistic statement for a total of 19. The artistic statement is average because while singing a bluesy song about how life it's got him down and how he hasn't got anyone. Louis Armstrong seems pretty happy about it, but you really don't get a feel for why. On the other hand, when Louis Prima does the same thing, he turns it up to 11 so much that it turns him into a caricature, where it really seems like he's trying to get sympathy for women so that he can get them into bed. If you know anything about Louis Prima, that's probably what he was doing, since he really was just a gigolo, and as a party boy bon vivant, he earns a five for authenticity that he got through experience. He had to get married five times to get here, including to Keely Smith, who is ironically singing about how he's a gigolo on this track, but Louis Prima lived this song. As for innovation, considering that I Ain't Got Nobody and Just a Gigolo are more or less joined permanently for all time, a five is easy to justify. The man loved to have a good time, and he made music to have a good time too, and he receives a five for catchiness. He receives a five also for mastery as nobody sounds like Prima and he was a master of crowd work to the point that it comes across even on the vinyl recording here. The only place where Prima falls off is in artistic statement since the song is more or less a way for him to play up his talents rather than to express his loneliness and gigoloness. I'm sure that people are going to give me crap about giving a Louis Prima song 23 out of 25 but honestly Louis Prima is far underrated. From one bon vivant to another, David Lee Roth absolutely fits the gigolo mold like Prima did, and even does a very faithful cover to Prima in this version. I get the feeling that he just likes the song and wanted to sing it, and authenticity is a three since I have a hard time believing that David Lee Roth really felt that lonely at any time. Instrumentation and complexity take a big hit from the Prima version, and the song earns a three for mastery. 
but has undeniable catchiness and earns a 4. No real innovation in this version, and so the song receives a 3 there. And Artistic Statement takes a dip to 2, as without the video, the song is a flatter, less meaningful version of the Prima Standard, and earns a total of 15 out of 25 points. However, if you haven't seen the music video for this song, it is a very strong artistic statement about censorship, materialism, pop culture, MTV, and a lot of other things from the time this song was released in the mid-80s. I recommend you head on down to your local YouTube store to watch it, and we'll put a link to the YouTube video on the subreddit. Today's music helps us reach back into 1916 all the way from today, and I hope you enjoyed this special episode of Cunningham's Law Review. You can look forward to more special episodes every Friday, including more cover-to-cover episodes and flashes to future music and bands you should know but probably don't. We want to know what you think, whether or not you agree with us, because Cunningham's Law states that the best way to learn something on the internet isn't to ask a question, but to post the wrong answer somewhere. So make sure to tell us how much you like Lana Del Rey and hate Sublime on the subreddit's dedicated post for this episode at reddit.com slash r slash Cunningham's Law Review, or reach out through an anchor voicemail. If you leave us an anchor voicemail that we end up using on the show, we'll review an album of your choice in a special episode, even if it's your own bands. If you like what we're doing here, leave us a review on your favorite podcasting service and follow the podcast and playlist. And if you don't like it, definitely don't mention that to anybody. We'll be back on Monday in the year 1920 to talk about songs that address the pink elephant in the room, Prohibition. Until next time, I've been your host, Richie, and you've been listening to Cunningham's Law Review. Our theme music is a difficult subject by The Insider, and nobody else works here. <laughs> <laughs>